Welcome to the Awakened Man Podcast, where we promulgate that your physical, psychological, and financial health are your true sources of wealth that must be safeguarded and optimized to achieve long-lasting happiness. Here, we'll discuss tactics on how you may self-actualize to reach the pinnacle of authentic masculinity by embracing true libertarian principles, arming yourself with red pill knowledge, as well as implementing the most up-to-date holistic health biohacks to optimize your health. Stop being a blue pill sheep, being led to slaughter by big government and the court system. Become an awakened man. Here's your host, Gregory. Hello, everybody. This is Gregory, and welcome back to another episode of the Awakened Man podcast. I hope everyone's doing well today. Today, we're going to have a guest, Mo Chowdhury, and he's going to talk about his, his journey, his red pill journey. And uh, I thought he'd be a great guest to have on because he represents a lot of fundamental tenets of a man going his own way. And if you guys are not too familiar with men going their own way, it's a, it's a philosophy among men who are seeking and searching for self-actualization in, in reaching the best man that they can be. So this would be purging addictions or any demons that they may have, any early childhood trauma that is making them self-sabotage their, their current life. It can be working on their finances and cleaning up any consumer or student loan debt. It can, of course, be working on their physical health and getting in shape. And it can be uh, extricating themselves or, or disentangling themselves from the court system and, and women in general, because unfortunately the court system, and if you look at intergender dynamics in general, a lot of it is, is skewed toward helping the woman uh, use the man in a marriage. And then whenever she finds it convenient, uh, she can leave the man and then take much of his finances. So Mo's going to come on and we're really going to focus a lot of this on the physical health. He's going to talk about his embracing of intermittent fasting. If you guys aren't familiar, go back to, oh, might be like episode 20, way back in the summer of 2017, where I have two or three episodes on intermittent fasting, what it is, where its health benefits are, and different schedules that you can adhere to. I think some of you guys know that I've been doing fasting daily since November of 2014. So uh, during that time, the last five and a half years or so, I have not eaten one day before noon. And I would say 90% of those, I guess that'd be what, what, 1,500 days. Most of those days I haven't eaten before 1.30 at least. And currently, and, and this is one of the benefits, and, and Mo and I will talk about this, the flexibility of intermittent fasting is that every day is a different day and you can kind of adjust it to whatever fits your schedule, whatever fits your mood, whatever fits your energy. But currently I'm doing like a three, three and a half hour eating window. So I'm kind of doing like a, a 24 window. So we're going to bring Mo on and Mo's going to talk about his life before he uh, took the metaphorical red pill. And then he's going to talk about his journey and, and where he is now. So Mo, are you there? Hey, what's going on, Greg? Yes, hey, how I'm are you here. Doing? Good, and yourself? Great, great. Thanks for uh, coming on, The Awakened Man, man. We appreciate it. Appreciate it. Yeah, so uh, let's talk about, uh, just give a little introduction. Uh, where, who are you? Where do you live? Sure. Okay, uh, so my name is Mo Chaudhry. Um, I was born in Bangladesh, and um, I grew up in Saudi Arabia. Uh, and then I moved to the, moved to the UK, and I was studying there for a few years. And then I moved to the States back in 05. Uh, and I lived in the Washington DC area for a decade. Um, I went to school there. And then I kind of wanted to venture out a little bit. So when I got a job opportunity, moved to Austin, I jumped on it. And I lived in Austin for about four years. And I kind of was missing like the colder winters. Yeah, absolutely. So, and, yeah, and what's funny is that when I moved to Austin in 2015, a friend of mine moved to Boulder, Colorado, mm -hmm. and he would always tell me how good um, Colorado or Boulder in general is. So that's why when I got a chance, uh, uh, this company reached out to me and asked me if I could move, and I jumped into that opportunity. That's how I ended up moving to Denver last year. Oh, yeah, well, I can tell you right now in Central Texas, we're we're hitting 104, 105 with, with, mm. with the humidity, so it's good to... What's the high right now over in Colorado? Right now, let me just look at my phone. It's uh, 79. 79. Jesus yeah. Christ. 
Wow. What's the high going to be today? Like 84? 81. Oh, or, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. All right. So, um, well, let's, let's talk about uh, the before. So tell us about your health at the time. Tell us about if you had any outstanding debt that you've cleaned up and, and so forth. Just tell us about what you were like before you took the red pill. Yeah. So um, what happened was, um, I will just uh, give you a background. Uh, maybe. So my mom uh, got diagnosed with cancer last year. Um, so she's 57, 58 now. Uh, so this was a year ago. So she got diagnosed with cancer. She had like both breast cancer and thyroid cancer. Mm. Uh, so, and you know, uh, but luckily uh, it was at an earlier stage. So she was able to recover. I mean, she finished her chemo therapy last year and now she's doing this, I think uh, it's called a heart septin. She has to give an injection like every 21 days. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's about to finish that um, by in September. So and uh, my parents used to live here in the States, but they wanted to, they moved back to Bangladesh because my dad was kind of tired of living abroad his whole life. And he wanted to retire back in Bangladesh. So that's when, I mean, they moved back to Bangladesh in 20, uh, 2010. That's when I started venturing around. I was like, okay, should I live in DC or move around? And I moved to Austin and now here in Denver. The reason I did bring that up is uh, since hearing that what happened to my mom. So one of the things I said, okay, like genetics is something that I can't control and aging. These are the two, two things that I cannot control because it's life, right? It's going to happen. So I was like, okay, what can I control? And I started looking around and one of the most uh, common thing is like, uh, at least with us American, every, uh, every two or I mean, every three out of two people are overweight. Mm-hmm. Like um, uh, I'm talking about just nationwide. So I was like, okay, at that time I was walking around maybe 185 and guys, I'm not really tall. So I am uh five, eight on a good day. So well, five, eight, 185, that's a lot of weight. Um, and I, it just never, I mean, I was like, okay, I, I was a little chubby and uh, I, I never actually looked into like uh, improving my health and just when dealing with my, uh, seeing what happened to my mom, I was like, okay. I mean, I want to avoid the things I can, like the, the things that are, that, that are in my control. I, the, the reason I'm saying that is um, later on, I'm going to talk about like financial freedom or financial, uh, getting your finances right is important because like I didn't grow up, I mean, I grew up poor. So I was like, okay, I don't, I don't want to die poor. Uh, so what can I do to better myself? So... I mean, uh, that's how I um, got, got involved. And uh, I started looking into, um, you know, being healthy, what can I do to improve my health? And um, that's how I started looking into, okay, what can I do? Um, uh, what, what are the options um, uh, for, uh, like, you know, improving your health? Yeah. And, um, what was your apex weight? What, what year? Uh, like, you mean the most weight? Is that what you're referring yeah. to? Or? Okay. Yeah. So I, I think I was close to 200. I would say 190-ish, 190 okay. pounds. And when was that? Oh, uh, this was earlier this year. Well, okay. All right. Yeah. So let, let's, let's, let's leave it right there. Let's go back. Did you have any debt during this time? Any consumer or, stu- or student loan debt? Uh, I didn't have any debt, but what, what I mean, I, I did pay off all my student loans. But what I was doing was I wasn't looking at my finances. I was like, okay, I'm making money, but I, I didn't have any plan, which I do now. Okay, I was like, I need to have this much money saved up because I'm trying to buy, I, I'm looking to buying a house and I want to put a 20% down. And for that, I need to right. have some kind of money saved up. Yeah, you want to avoid the PMI. Exactly, yeah. Right, mm-hmm. right. Okay, and what about, uh, what, what about uh, dating and uh, red pill awareness? When did you uh, take the red pill? Um, yeah. we, we had talked a little beforehand how you, you kind of came upon it probably with Richard Cooper, Entrepreneurs with Cars, or did you learn about Sandman? Because those are, those are typically like the two entry points for Red Pill. Yeah. So this was, uh, I mean, I'm a big car guy. So I follow a lot of car contents on YouTube yeah. and pretty much like on different websites. And um, this was back in 2015. I was in Austin and I was interested in buying a BMW M3. Uh, when I lived in the East Coast, it wasn't really a good option because I, I, I still had one car and I didn't want to live with a rear wheel drive car. 
So I was like, okay, here maybe I can, I, I can, I mean, I can go by, get by with having a rear wheel drive car. So at that time, he was driving a car that I was particularly interested in. It's a BMW M3. So that's how I got into uh, following his channel. And then I started noticing, uh, not only he talks about cars, he talks about a lot like do the work, um, self-improvement. And then he mentioned that, you know, he didn't have anything or um, he, he didn't have a lot. And uh, he worked on him, like, I mean, uh, relentlessly to build uh, his empire or wh whatever he has now. Um, so that's how I came across his channel. And then he would say like, do the work, do the work at everything. And then he would uh -huh. also mention a lot of times, like, um, if, if you're a guy, if you want to be awake, uh, you need to follow or read these books. Uh, and then the books that she was referring to was um, Rational Mail by Rollo Tomasi, like books one, two, and three. That's how I got kind of exposed to the, um, I guess, the Red Pill content. Yeah, that's where the journey started. So for, for those who are not familiar with the red pill, I guess to be succinct, it's, it's, of course, the reference comes from the Matrix, the 1999 movie where Neo is given the option by Morpheus to either stay asleep and take the blue pill or take the red pill and wake up and find out, you know, that we're all essentially attached. Uh, we have these probes in our head and that we're all essentially asleep. And so uh, in terms of, let's say, dating, it, it's more about just understanding the court system, understanding family law, understanding that a lot of the system is set up to fleece and hurt the man. It's also to understand hypergamy and Brafo's law and a woman's inherent nature to, to want to marry up or breed up. And coupling that with no-fault divorce and the influx of radical feminism and cultural Marxism, a red pill, I guess, would be uh, the, best, the best way to say it would be like not to marry and certainly look at red flags that women may have. Someone like Cooper, would say, and I would, I would certainly concur with this and not to cast aspersions on any, on any single moms here, uh, but uh, being a single mom or dating or certainly marrying a single mom is a red flag. Uh, marrying a, a woman who was previously married is a red flag. If you look at the statistics, you have a 70% chance of divorce of the second marriage, 30%, I'm sorry, 80% uh, chance of divorce on the third marriage. Um, and so it, it, those are red flags. Cohabiting with a woman is, is not really recommended. And in short, the, and I've talked about this in past episodes of The Awakened Man when it was Holistic Health News. But uh, if you look at the initiation of divorce, it, the preponderance of, is done by women. So 75% of all divorces are initiated by women. And if it's a woman who's college educated, it's 90%. And so if you look at the statistics, and as, as much, Mo, as we want to believe in love, <laughs> unconditional romantic love, uh, the chances of, of a marriage working, given the financial incentive that women have to initiate divorce, is very slim. And so... I think that's yes. one way we can we can discuss it a little more nuanced as we keep talking about this. So, uh, when you when you learned about Cooper, and I'm assuming you started listening to other Red Pill creators, uh, did it change your dating at all? Did did it uh, did it affect that at all? Sure, absolutely. So, um, uh, like the reason I I kind of had to give you like a background. So I grew up in Saudi Arabia, right? Saudi Arabia, it's like I mean I went to a school where women uh, I mean even boys and girls are separate so it wasn't a unisex school so growing up I and uh, in when I was growing up I had no access to I mean we had tv where we were we watched cartoon as kids but I had no access to internet I didn't have use internet until I moved to the states back in 05 I had zero access I mean I would use internet in the school and computers and stuff but personally like for my time no and then, uh, well, I did have a computer back in my dad did uh, buy me a computer, but no internet. Like I could do typewrite, type, I have a printer, whatever I need to do, but no internet access. Yeah. If I need to access internet, it's only in school. So that's when I, I mean, um, I guess growing up, I never actually interacted with women because in Saudi Arabia, everything is different. I'll, I'll tell you this funny story. Like growing up, one of the hardest challenges I've, I have had as a kid was when, I, when I'm out and about in public, I need to identify which one is my mom. It may sound funny, but as a kid, every woman has this thing called burqa. So they're covered from head to toe, to, toe like a ninja, and you can yeah. only see their eyes. So I have to, every time my mom left the house, I have to remember what bag she took. And that was actually not a good idea because most women have like a similar type of bag. So I had to remember what sandals or what... Um, what 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 shoes she was wearing that day and i was like or or if she's yelling at me i'm like okay that's my mom because they all look the same how funny um so yeah i wasn't exposed to women as much 
until I moved to England. And then even when I moved to England, I was actually um, uh, under strict guidelines of my uncle, who is basically my mom's brother. And uh, my, uh, they sent me to England. I was studying all levels and A-levels. And my objective was just to finish your education. That's the only objective, nothing else. So I was in strict guideline, um, even though, I, but over there, of course, you can see a lot of women, but I was still a uh, very shy and quiet person. So I never had the gut or anything to even talk. I was like, these are so beautiful women or this, I mean, they're this, and I can, I'm still struggling learning how to speak English. I'm like, I, I don't even know how to speak, let alone like flirt or anything. So I was like, this is beyond me. It's like that movie, uh, She's Out of My League. Yeah. In, but um, more uh, diluted version, I guess. So, yeah. So that's what happened. And then, you know, when I moved to the States, uh, you know, we were very poor. So my, uh, like, I mean, uh, if you convert uh, Bangladesh currency, which is $1 equals to 85 Taka, which is a local currency. So when my parents and I, uh, we moved here, well, we got here through immigration. So my uncle who lives here, who's been living there for here for like 40 years plus now, he applied for us. So we all came here through immigration mm-hmm. um, and we didn't have any money. So we were all renting like a one or two bedroom apartment. Uh, and then my dad was working at Walmart and uh, my mom, she couldn't, she didn't speak any English. So she, she didn't have a job for the longest time. And then she started working at Kohl's and other retail store. So, and um, I wanted to start going back to school, but when I moved, uh, so we first moved to New York, but uh, that's because one of my dad's younger brother lived there. But my dad wanted to move to Northern Virginia, like the DC area, because um, that's where my dad's close friend lived. Um, so that's how we all ended up moving here. But again, I didn't have, and uh, so I was I was born, and I mean, my parents are Muslim, so I was born and raised Muslim. So like, you know, um, over the, my, it's very strict guidelines, like you gotta follow certain rules, No, get you cannot be out late at night or anything. So only thing I was focused on, school work, school work, and, um, well, for my first year, I only had to work because I had to wait one year to become in-state, which way I don't have to pay it three times. And, you know, I didn't have any money to begin with, uh, let alone pay it three times. And, you know, I had to go through FAFSA and all that stuff. So, again, going through the school system, the same thing here, not much difference than UK. Uh, but, you know, I'm, I was still very quiet, very shy, just doing my work. And I didn't, honestly didn't have any time because I was working full time and going to school. And I'm sure anybody that that has done or been in my shoes will understand how difficult it is. And I was supporting my family and myself and everybody. So I was still like that up until I think uh, even in my um, late twenties, because uh, I was still with my parents and then we had to follow that guideline, which, uh, you know, I was raised up with. And like in my culture, like you don't talk or say, raise your opinion. I mean, I will tell you a little bit more later as things have changed. But again, I, this is how I was. Well, so let, let, let's focus on this. How about this? So when you, when you came upon Red Pill Awareness and, and they said, don't date single moms, don't marry single moms, was sure. this in, in conformity with what you were raised? I mean, were you raised being told uh, married you know, single moms from, uh, who were previously married you should uh, stay away from? Uh, no, no. Uh, the the reason Greg uh, that is is because um, like uh, so so I was raised Muslim, right? I mean, so uh, like my both my parents, uh, sorry, my mom, my mom. I mean, like she never dated anybody. So it's like in in the Muslim culture, uh, the way it's seen, at least like in that part of the world, like you know, a woman is a virgin until she gets married. Yes. So women had doesn't have that luxury like we ha- they have in the states where they pick and choose guys. I mean, it can go both ways. I mean, we, we, we date to get used to, so there's no option. Uh, so you just, so since dating is not an option, you just get married. And then um, a lot of the times, uh, I mean, my parents has been married, married almost 40 years. And a lot of these uh, people that have been married, they stuck together because as a woman, they knew that nobody would marry them, right. a divorced woman, because they're not virgin. It's considered they're not pure anymore. Yeah. I mean, it may sound kind of, ridiculous now but that's it is that's how they are back uh, in um, middle east and uh i mean now they're kind of evolving and changing but this is what i grew up and what i've listened and everything so they just put up with it they know as a woman you have no option because nobody will marry you if you get divorced and so that was in alignment with red pill awareness because it's because no one wants to be with a a single mom and look again not not to cast aspersions on any single moms listening but i mean if, if you see from the red pill awareness it's it's she has a history of making poor choices. And 
lots of times when women divorce, and you see this on dating profiles, but lots of times when women divorce, they get this, uh, this meal ticket out and they'll say, oh, well, he was abusive or controlling. And everyone's like, oh, and no one ever begs to ask the questions. Like, well, it doesn't matter. You made a poor choice. You have poor decision making. So it's either one of two things. You either pushed away a good man because he didn't want to be with you because you have issues. Or if it was a legitimately abusive, emotionally or physically abusive man, uh, you made a poor choice. You know, Absolutely. you initiated the divorce woman. What, what makes you think, what, what makes the second guy, the guy who, who's thinking about marrying you, think that you won't do it again? Yeah. You've already established the precedent that you would do it the first time. Correct. And uh, a couple of the other things I noticed even before becoming red pill is, uh, so uh, a couple of my friends, obviously most, of, I mean, they're all blue pill beta, but I mean, um, so I noticed like some of my friends uh, in the, when I lived in the DC area, they were dating single moms. And what I noticed is uh, they always had to work around her schedule. Oh, this week she has the kids. Oh, that week. And my friends, you know, they never have kids. I mean, they don't have any kids. Uh-huh. So, so they still had to work around her schedule and her priority was her, her kids, her dogs, whatever. And he's probably priority number four or fifth. Yeah. And for him, she was priority number one. Right. Right. Well, you know, and to be, and to, be to, to be fair to the woman, it's good that she was putting the kids before the guy because, we, you know, in, in, over in the red pill world, we know about the stepfather effect. We know that kids of single moms are 40 times, up to 40 times more likely to be physically and sexually abused than mm-hmm. uh, a, a kid who's raised in a biologically intact family. So uh, to their credit, yeah, but from a male point of view, for sure, I mean, you are competing with the kids and, and, and other things like that. So let, let's, let's, let's focus back on you. So when you sure. heard about red pill awareness stuff, I mean, was it shocking to you when you read Rational Mail? Was it shocking or was this since you pretty much were raised in a very conservative milieu where you, were, you wouldn't even contemplate uh, marrying a single mom or a woman that's been around the block or ridden the carousel, as we call it? Uh, was this very shocking to you when you when you were exposed to the red pill stuff? Yes, absolutely. Uh, it was quite shocking, actually. Even though I was raised in a Muslim country and I didn't, uh, you know, you know, Muslim culture for to an extent or some extent, you can say it's it's quite red pill. So one of the things I uh, I noticed was um, like uh, so I I still had interest in uh, you know single mom if they were attractive. Sure. But then I, then I started noticing, like, so my friends who are dating the single moms, their exes, because, you know, we were probably friends on Facebook or something. I realized, uh, you know, uh, the single moms uh, that the, my friends are dating and the, the, the baby daddy look nothing like my friends. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was like, okay, maybe she had a different taste. And this is not one, one of the person, like two or, two or three of them, same thing. The guy that she had kids with, and my friends, they look nothing like it. Because, you know, I, you kind of see like, you know, women tend to date the same type or they have like a type. So now, the reason I made that is uh, that's when I started kind of like linking the red pill, you know, alpha seed beta needs. Right. So the, the woman had the kids from the, and you know, those guys are more athletic, build, whatever. Uh, and my friends are maybe a little pudgy or a little short or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I was like, okay, oh no, it actually makes sense. She had kids from the alpha and alphas are usually kind of not that helpful. Uh, you know, they're just probably good looking. I mean, a, a short time pleasure kind of thing. Yeah. And that's why my fr- beta friends are here asking her what week she's available so she can, he can take her out to wh- whatever activity they're doing. Um, so that's when I, I started noticing. But one thing, um, even though I was hooked on Richard Cooper's channel, I would follow him, car content or, or whatever, doing the group work. One thing he would always say that uh, he would say, a woman is never yours, it's just your turn. Yeah. I was like, okay, fair enough. But then why date? Because you know she's going to leave you <laughs> at some point, right? Um, so that's when I was like, because I know like, uh, you know, he was dating or he's dating now. I'm not sure if he was at that point. So I was like, um, you know, at the end, it's, it's a temporary thing. So... Um, so why would be someone? Why would you uh, prefer uh, try to be with someone for long term? And then obviously uh, Richard was divorced, so he does talk about like you know how especially in the Western world. At uh, uh, I think at one point um, he mentioned or somebody else mentioned that uh, if you go to a court 
or actually it was a quote from a lawyer. Uh, it was saying, um, if you go to a court and if you're a man and if you have a genital that starts with a D, you already lost because everything is going to favor the woman. Right. But obviously it varies from different state and uh, regulations, but he was, he was saying overall. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's true. And again, if any women are listening to this, they're not going to want to hear this, but the system is set up because of the advent of no fault divorce, where anybody mm -hmm. can initiate divorce without any reasons. And this is juxtaposed to when we used to have fault divorce prior to 1970. So for example, if a man wanted to divorce his wife, he had to have a legitimate reason or she would have to have a legitimate reason. And if there wasn't a legitimate reason, then they wouldn't be given a divorce. And so this was a check on hypergamy, female hypergamy for sure. But back, let's say 1960, like Don Draper from Mad Men, if he wanted to divorce his wife or a, a younger woman, she would get financial remuneration for being essentially divorced for a younger woman and she would get alimony because back then women didn't work. So it made kind of sense uh, that you'd want the mother of your children to still be taken care of. So the man would pay alimony and she would commonly get child support. And then with 1970, no fault divorce, you saw that fundamentally change. And then women started initiating divorce because again, women saw that there was a financial incentive. And, and a lot of the times women don't want to hear that because they don't want to, it doesn't yeah. want to, they don't want to sound like gold diggers, but look, women typically only marry men that make the same amount of money or more than them. That's, that's just triggering their hypergamy. They want to be with a man who has status and security and so forth. And so if, if a woman in America marries, let's say a doctor makes 250,000 a year, and let's say she's making 50,000 a year and they get married and they have two kids, let's say state of Texas, whatever, uh, when, when, if a divorce occurs, so we'll just say if, even though we know it's initiated by women most of the time, she's going to get, they're going to look at the assets. So it'll be $300,000 of, of annual income. They're just going to divide that in half now and give her 150 and give him 150, even though he was making the disproportionate amount of money. So, okay. So she gets 150 plus the child support. So that's 25% of $250,000. That's what, $65,000 a month right there? Mm -hmm. uh, $65,000 a year. So now she'll be getting $65,000 a year until the first kid turns 18 and then the amount will be lowered a little yeah. to 50000 a year. Yeah. Plus, if you live in a state with alimony, that woman can get paid uh, money uh, until she remarries or you know, for 10 years or until she dies, depending on the state. So again, I mean, Cooper's right. Uh, the system is just set up to make it untenable for men to marry. And the other thing is, why would men marry nowadays, Mo, if the sex positive movement has essentially brainwashed women to, to sleep around as much as men do? See, in, in the old days, we know that, and in your culture, for sure, if you wanted to get sex, you had to get married because Absolutely. the only women that would put out would be the town prostitutes, right? But you wouldn't marry the town prostitute. Exactly, so, yeah. Virgins. And so for Pretty you to get sex, you'd have to get married. So there was an incentive to marry because that was the only way you were going to get sex. And also, again, exactly. women couldn't leave you because there was no no-fault divorce. But now, yes. since women are, you know, they, they've bought the lie of feminism. Well, if men are sleeping around, women can do it too. Why are you going to buy the cow if you're getting the milk for free? Absolutely. So you see that, that kind of red pill logic, you know, strode out by someone like Cooper and other people. They're like, okay. I got fleeced and divorced. Cooper did. I did. Other men have. So why am I going to sign the marriage contract if I'm getting pretty much all the benefits of marriage by having short-term relationships with women and I'm limiting my risk, uh, mm -hmm. certainly financial risk. You still have risks by doing short-term relationships because of STDs, pregnancies, false allegations. Sure. sure. Yeah. But why am I going to marry a woman if they're all putting out within the first, second or third date? And so you see this movement of red pill men, certainly in the pickup artist community of the red pill manosphere who espouse that. And there's a certain amount of logic to that. And women really can only get mad at themselves for that. Yeah. Because they're and all one, up. Yeah. One thing Richard mentioned, which was like really shocking to me, says like, I'm not sure if it's just in Canada because that's where he resides. But he said like, um, let's say if you're dating a single mom and if she had a kid, if she has, mm -hmm. I mean, obviously she has a kid. And if, if that kid looked up to you as a father figure and yes. depending on how long you guys have lived together or yes. those circumstances, 
Yeah. That woman can still claim child support. Yes. And these, these kids didn't come from your genitals. Right. Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. I talked about that in my other, uh, my other format. There's an, there's an episode over there, but absolutely. There's actually 20 states in America, plus Canada, and plus probably other countries in the Commonwealth, where a stepfather can pay child support. It, 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 it's, it's definitely true. There's other cases, too, where, uh, and look, again, I'm not, I'm not wanting to malign all women, but there mm -hmm. are other cases where a man is married and he finds out in the marriage that the child that they have is not his, right? Alpha C, beta, and e. Definitely. He divorces her, goes to court, and then he finds out, you know, it's not my kid. I'm not paying child support. And the court's like, oh, yes, you are. And so there yep. are plenty of men in America and in, in, in English-speaking parts of the world that are paying child support on children that aren't their DNA because the court looks at what's best for the welfare of the child. They don't really care about who's the, who sired the child. So there are these cucks that are paying child support on kids that aren't there. So, I mean, it, it, if men hear these stories, then you can understand why there's a movement among a certain stratum of men. Why the hell am I going to marry? So yeah, yeah, Cooper's absolutely right. Absolutely. Yeah, and, and, and the other thing, if you think of it, is like, um, like that's one of the reasons why my friends were having so much trouble dating single moms, because most of the time the woman had the custody. So if you think, get this, you are the one that's paying the child support and everything, and you're spending the least time with the kids. I mean... <laughs> right, I mean, I, this is why men are so angry, because it's like, I lose half my assets, I have to pay child support. Well, let's use the doctor example. Sure. I lost... 150, she gets $150,000. She's going to get $60,000 a year. And then I lose my kids, right? And, but the reward yeah. for losing my kids is I, I go from seeing them every day of the month to four nights a month. Oh, and you want to put another knife in me? Here's $65,000 a year to the woman who initiated the divorce, but doesn't have to show that she's using the $65,000 a year on my kids. She could be buying clothes from Goodwill for the kids and using that money for manis and petties and a new car or trips with Chad and Tyrone or, or whatever it is. But the court doesn't make her show that she's using the money on the kids. So Absolutely. I, I like to think that open-minded women, and it's hard because they're blocked by the solipsism, can understand why men are opting out of marriage. Yeah, absolutely. So I'll give you an example. So one of my friend's brother, he got married. Um, this was a few years back. Uh, so... Uh, he was paying $40,000 on child support mm. and the woman was not even working. And my friend's brother was driving a beat up Toyota Camry. And guess what she was driving? She was driving a brand new BMW yeah. and, and, and she doesn't even work. Right. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, literally if a woman is good looking enough and attractive enough, and again, she doesn't earn her sexual market value at all, but mm -hmm. she's born beautiful. She can marry a man in her, let's say 22, have a kid with him, divorce him, and then around 29, marry another guy, have a kid with that kid, have a kid with that guy, divorce him, and then find the beta provider when she's 39, and maybe not even have a kid with them. But it, the system is set up, and I've talked about celebrities like Kate Winslet, Kate Hudson, mm -hmm. these actresses who have three kids from three different men. But a woman who's attractive can do this and make enough money from child support and from alimony and from splitting mm -hmm. the assets where she doesn't have to work. So yeah. again, men... <laughs> why are you married but let, let's let's kind of move on let's let's focus sure. on your health here okay so um when did you find out about fasting or how, how were you exposed to intermittent fasting okay so um since i was uh, you know raised muslim so growing up i used to do fasting during the month of ramadan yeah. because that, so that's what we do we do a dry fast so we're not eating basically from sunset to sunrise but what happens is we were still not losing weight because like after sunset, you're eating until sunrise. So yeah, yeah, even though you're fasting, so it just kind of like you're even, I mean, it, it's evening out, right? So, and then what I started noticing is um, uh, one of my uh, coworkers that I used to work with, because every time he would say, oh, I'm not having breakfast, I'm going to eat at noon. So then I was like, why do you do that? He said, yeah, because I, I don't eat breakfast. I just have lunch and dinner. So he was doing this uh, thing called intermittent fasting and there he was doing the 16 eight so 16 hours of fasting and eight hours of eating yeah was like you know what can i and then he mentioned about like you know boosting his um human growth hdh human yeah. growth hormone and boosting his natural testosterone yeah. and losing weight and getting in shape and then i was like do you even have energy he said i actually have a lot more energy 
And I was like, how does it work? Then he kind of told me like, you know, once you are fasting for a long time, uh, you, we, we hold a lot of body fat and uh, the body can actually use that as fuel. And that's when your body gets into ketosis and you start burning fat. Yeah. Yeah. So when he gave me that idea, I was like, okay, I'll give it a try. So, and he said, hey, download this app called Zero. By the way, I'm not sponsored by them. It's just a helpful app to kind of track it. Um, so, and then he was like, okay, give it a try. So I was like, okay, let me give it a try. Cause I, so far I have heard nothing negative. Even after talking to him, I kind of looked up online. I didn't see anything bad. So I wanted to give it a try. So I started doing uh 16, eight mm-hmm. and I was like, okay, it's easy to skip breakfast and I can just do lunch and dinner. And I was like, 16, eight, it's actually quite easy. Um, and then I started noticing that I would have cravings, but I'm sorry. I mean, I would feel hungry, but then I started differentiating between craving and hungry. So let's say like, you know, uh, so my friend will tell me, okay, you're hungry. I'll give you a bag of broccoli. And I'm like, okay, I probably want a burger. So it's more of a craving that we always mix with hunger. So if you're fasting for a long time, your, your mind is craving some sugar or something that, cause you've been doing that for years, decades, uh, so it's just a, like a shift of a mindset saying, okay, I'm not hungry. My body is craving some junk food. Um, so that's kind of one of the struggles I had with the fasting. So I started, when I started realizing it's just craving, it's just fasting. So from switching from 16 to 18, so I did 18 hours of fasting and six hours of um, eating window. Even those two, sem- I mean, it was pretty easy. And then I started noticing that uh, within a month, I lost like close to 10 pounds. And I was like, this is pretty easy. Uh, and it's magic. I'm, I have to eat less. And I started losing the pound. And you started um, this year? Yeah, January. January, okay. And yeah. so how much have you lost between uh, January and July? Uh, so I, at January, when I started, I was, uh, I was 185 pounds. Yeah. And uh, right now I'm a 140 or 139.6 to be exact. Look at that. 45 pounds in six months. That's, that's amazing. And your energy level's great. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Um, every, good. every morning when I wake up, I have the, so one of the, uh, like, I mean, I, I also made a couple of uh, adjustments, like uh, a couple of the things, uh, one of my, a couple of the goals I had for this year was like, I wanted to eat, uh, sorry, sleep uh, seven to eight hours a day. Uh-huh. So I'm, I've been doing that and I want to drink lot, lots of water. So I drink, I try to drink two liters of water every day. Mm-hmm. And I, one of the good things about moving to Denver is we got a lot of sunlight. So I try to get daily sunlight good. and um, I'm also doing no sugar, but I mean, everything has sugar. So I'm not doing any added sugar, but I'm like, I'm not after my meal, I'm not going getting a smoothie or getting an ice cream cake or whatever. So I try to limit that. And um, like, so I, I started develop, adding all these other habits just, you know, along with intermittent fasting. And the other thing I started developing is I, I, I wanted to read every day for uh, 30 minutes. So I'm still doing that. And uh, in the morning when I wake up, first thing I do is I pray and I do meditate for 10 minutes and I, and I work out. And mind you, I haven't eaten since noon the, the, the day prior. So um, like, you know, 18, 16, eight was too easy. 18, six was too easy. And the other yeah. one, I think you mentioned you do the 24, 20 yeah. hours of eating and four hour fasting. So I'm actually doing 23 plus hours of fasting and like half an hour to 45 minutes of eating window. And I have more, I mean, I, I haven't been, I can't remember the last time I was this light. I'm 37. So in my whole twenties, I was overweight as a kid. I, I don't think I was overweight. I was maybe skinny. But uh, yeah, because after I moved to the States and, uh, you know, uh, especially after I graduated from college, I had a cushy job where I was sitting down. So I gained like 30, 40 pounds easy. And in the office, there's always snacks. So you're kind of like always munching. You don't even know what you're going through. Um, so, yeah, I mean, uh, just uh, adding some habits and sticking to it. And I read a um, statistics where they're saying if you can do anything for 66 days straight, it becomes a habit. Yeah. So all the things I mentioned, like drinking two liters of water, getting sunlight, working out daily, reading for 30 minutes, fasting. So I've done all these things uh, 66 days straight. And these are natural habits for me. I don't even think, okay, when I wake up, my body knows that I have to meditate and work out. After work, my body knows, or my brain knows that I need to read something different. 
So it's just repetition and practice. Um, and I noticed like, you know, when I was, you know, in my 20s and earlier, maybe I was kind of like a loser because I was kind of chubby. I didn't have any money or anything. Uh, the, the reason I'm being that is I'm still kind of, everything kind of tied tides being the red pill. Mm -hmm. So now I'm in my late 30s. I have, you know, um, I looked better than when I looked in my 20s and I got my finan finance kind of situated. And I see a lot of these, uh, I mean, um, I am on dating sites and stuff. Uh, I'm just being transparent. And I see like a lot of these women who are in their late 30s, even 40s, trying to hit me up. Mm -hmm. Or uh, And so then I realized, you know, you've been riding the carousel for too long. So you had 20 plus years and now you think, okay, this guy, like initially, like, like they didn't even consider me, but now that, you know, I'm getting my stuff right. Um, uh, that's one of the things actually Richard Cooper say a lot of the time. He would say, woman doesn't care about your struggles. They wait at the finish line and pick the winners. They have to so, get at the finish line first, yeah. It's true. Yeah, absolutely. We're, we're, a fog. we're just a, a base on utility. They don't really care about what you're going. It's absolutely true. You know, yeah. a lot of the women who are older than you that are messaging you, mm -hmm. the, the way Match and eHarmony, these, these work, the women get all the messages uh, typically. And so they just have to sift and find the guy that they feel it most suits them at that moment. And so when women are feeling the need to message, then you know they're not getting a lot of messages or they're getting messages from guys that they don't uh, really find that attractive. But I've seen that phenomenon too, where I would be on a dating site and I'd get messages from 55 year old women. Yeah. Like, are you so out of touch with your sexual market value that you think a, a, a man who's 42 is going to mm -hmm. want to be with you? Absolutely. It, they, they, but they don't, they don't get it. I guess they think that the, the cougar phenomenon applies to them and applies to everybody. And they just don't understand that men yeah. are not going to choose an older woman when they're 42, they're going to always go young. Yeah. And, and what's the other thing is, uh, I mean, um, it's kind of uh, uh, like one of the things I read from Roll Tomasi, he said like 20, per, I mean, out of hundred, like 85 or 90% men are, are, are beta, like 10% or yeah, 10 to 20% men are uh, alpha. So the reason I bring that up is like, I actually did some social experiments with uh, just me and some of my friends. Uh -huh. So I, I created a dating profile as a woman in my 30, 30s with three kids. <laughs> and and I, I made a profile on OkCupid. Within the, the, when I created the profile, I just had like a one picture, like a generic picture I put from the internet. And I put that and I said, okay, I have three kids. And uh, I copied whatever, you know, say, I'm done playing games, blah, blah, blah. So I yeah, copied yeah, the, the typical cliches that you hear in the profiles, yeah. right? Yeah. So yeah, what once was I the created, picture? Um, I mean, it was just uh, like a, like an overweight, overweight Caucasian woman. Okay. So you were overweight and not that attractive? No. Okay. So overweight, not attractive and three kids. Yeah. So within, um, so right when I opened it, I think I got like 20 messages the same day. <laughs> And within three days, I think I got over a hundred messages. Yeah. And within a week, I got an email from uh, OkCupid okay saying my mail mailbox was full. Look at that. Wow. Okay. And so I tried another experiment with a woman. She's in her forties, like forty-five, uh, but somewhat decent looking. Same same result. So that's why I mean, it, it's I mean I kind of have to blame it on us men. It's like we are so thirsty that if we see any women at a, in a dating profile we're going to go after it and no this matter is why, how and this is why so many men remarry even though they've been maybe divorced fleeced the first time it's because a they think the next woman's the exception and but really it's because they haven't purged this idea that their life is incomplete unless they have a woman and this is one of the fundamental principles of, of men going their own way is that your life is certainly complete without a woman and if, if anything it's going to be optimized by not Definitely. having a woman because you'll spend the money that you make on what you want. And you, you can travel where you want, you can do what you want, hang out with who you want. But so many men, as you say, are thirsty. They need the golden pea, so to mm -hmm. speak. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's the, and they certainly don't understand sexual market value. They certainly nope. don't understand menopause. You know, they're, they're just so desperate. Absolutely. So that's, I mean, it was kind of, and the other thing I noticed uh, or I learned about the uh, being red pill or more aware is 
it's actually the, I think the first chapter of the Roald Tomasi's Rational Meal uh, book. It's called Juanitis, which is a real yeah. thing. Yeah. We, it's like we all saw those movies, Hollywood movies or whatever, like, mm -hmm. you know, there's always the one happily married after, uh, ever after. It doesn't happen in real life. Well, yeah, the idea that that uh, there's one special person in, the, in this world, right? And, and this is the only person who's going to completely complete you has led so many men and I would say women to to their demise because if there's only one person that you think you're compatible with you end up making foolish decisions and I, I think women will say this too to keep that man or woman to make them happy you'll move across country you'll change jobs you'll have a kid if you don't want to have a kid you see signs that they're controlling or abusive or narcissistic or have a drinking problem or a shopping problem and you don't care because this is the one, this is the one. And that's, that's what one-itis is. Instead of thinking I can be happy and compatible with thousands of women, mm -hmm. this is the only woman in the world and I have to do whatever it takes to, to be with her. And it's just, it's an idiotic mentality that Disney has put into our head and it's led so many men and women into their demise. Now, from the MGTOW point of view, they would tell you, yeah, there's thousands of women that you could be compatible with but again, the system is set up that unless you've purged your relationship thirst, this idea that you can only be happy uh, with a woman, you're probably going to stumble back into marriage. And then once you sign the contract, she holds all the leverage in marriage. Yeah. Yeah. And the other thing, like, I mean, so since I have been on both sides, being blue pill and red pill, is like now, like, you know, as you mentioned, like, you know, talking, uh, looking at different movies, like the movie Blue Valentine or something, now, okay. when you see something like that as a red with a red pill lens, and then you kind of notice that, oh my gosh, I mean, this is how bad it is. Like, and it happens in the, in the real world. Like, I mean, I see like how needy like some guys can be. And I mean, I don't blame some women to like, you know, just say, okay, you know, these are just um, like super turn off. So I'll just give you an example. Uh, so I was traveling to uh, New Orleans for a project when I lived in Austin. Um, so my work requires traveling. So that's what I was doing. And then I came across this coworker and mind you, she has a boyfriend wherever she lives and we were, we would both travel. So we were usually there from Monday to Thursday and Fridays we fly, fly back. So, and then, um, you know, when we are traveling, obviously you're in per diem. So all your meals are taken care of, like, you know, or you get reimbursed or you have a per diem. So you're, you have a certain amount that you can spend. Mm -hmm. So I was sitting next to her one day and then like I asked her, Hey, do you want to grab something to eat after, you know, cause we, we were working late. So I was like, Hey, do you want to grab something to do something on the way before we go, go back to the hotel? She said, no, I already have a plan to meet up with somebody. I was like, okay, that's fine. And I kid you not. She like, she has contacts in her phone list. It says free food, one free food, two free yeah. food, three. Like five of them. And mind you, yeah. And mind you, this, this woman has a, is in a relationship. She's in a city where she can pretty much buy anything and she would get reimbursed for. And so <laughs> she's going out with these guys. And I was like, okay, so what are these? He said, I don't know. Like she doesn't even know these guys' names. Yeah. And these guys are taking her out to different restaurants yeah. every week. Yeah. Well, it's utility, right? She doesn't need to know their names because all she knows is she's getting free food because their name, their feelings, their pursuits, their interests are completely irrelevant to her. She doesn't care. That's yeah. solipsism. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, now I can see, I mean, well, I mean, uh, so, you know, like uh, the other thing I, I noticed, uh, you know, about uh, reading uh, Rational Mail is like hypergamy. I mean, I understand, I get it that women had to do that to survive, right? I mean, they want to go for the best option. But I mean, initially, I like, I guess for most people who come across the red pill first, you kind of have that red pill rage, but I'm like, uh, yeah, it's, it is for survival, right? I mean, it's no different than, you know, how anytime we see an attractive woman, we, we will look, I mean, it's just in our instinct, right? So, or we want to get with an attractive uh, woman, but we don't, we, uh, I mean, at least I get the feel like we kind of get frowned upon saying, oh, this woman could be his uh, granddaughter versus like, oh, she did the right thing. She made the right guy. So it just, there's going to be always those kind of, um, I guess, bystanders. Yeah, I mean, hypergamy is, is something that people, men who have been burnt by hypergamy hate. 
Mm -hmm. uh, but if you step back and look at it objectively, it makes complete sense. And we are here today because our maternal ancestors practice hypergamy and they got and bred with the best quality, highest status man that they could get with. Yep. But hypergamy gets a bad name from a lot of, of men, like I guess you can call them incel men or, or just men in red. I, I, yeah, I, I guess we could say incel men who, who are very angry that they make 60,000 a year and their woman dumped him to be with a guy who makes 150,000 a year. Mm -hmm. And instead of understanding hypergamy and Brafo's law and saying, look, I understand it makes sense. That's the way they're wired, just like men are wired to be with young, virtuous, beautiful women. Mm -hmm. uh, they just get mad at women and they, they take the black, black pill and then they hate women. They're misogynistic and, and so yeah. forth. But hypergamy is not something to hate. It's something to understand, just like what I would tell women too. A man's desire to be with a beautiful woman in her 20s who's virtuous is not something to shame. So, so many older women will shame, uh, you know, the older man, younger woman dynamic that you see commonly played out in Hollywood. And of course, they're mad because they're post-wall and they're in their, their 40s and they hate the woman who's getting that guy. But look, it's 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 human nature. It's, it's like hating the sun for, for uh, you know, cooking our grass right now it's just male nature and yep. just like female nature is hypergamy so nobody should get mad at the the endogenous instincts of the opposite sex it's the way it's been for millennia just deal with it yep so let's let's go back really fast before we finish up on your fasting mm -hmm. so like I, I can speak for myself we're recording this it's uh sure. two o'clock central standard time Mm -hmm. um, I, I finished eating around six o'clock the day before. I have no hunger pangs. I, I don't nope. think, honestly, Mo, I've had hunger pangs in four and a half years. I, I And I love it, right? But yep. my energy level is great. I just came back from cycling 25 miles and it's, you know, my peak time, even though it's really hot. And this mm -hmm. is something that people don't get. It's like, well, how do you work out on fasting, you know, and, and how do you, how do you deal with the energy crashes? And when I tell people, it's like, that's the beauty of fasting is that you don't have energy crashes anymore. Because Absolutely. Because the old rubric where you're eating six meals a day or every three hours, it's crash, spike, you know, spike, crash, and so forth. And also in terms of exercise, if you're eating all the time, your blood has to be shunted to your, your, your intestines to break down that food. Whereas if you're working out while fasting, all that blood can be shunted straight to your skeletal muscles. And this is yeah. one of the reasons why you're, once you're fasted adapted, mm -hmm. uh, you have peak workouts and your cognition is off the roof. You want to comment yeah. any of that? Yeah, it's like, so it's three o'clock. I haven't eaten since noon yesterday. And, and I kid you not, I'm not hungry at all. Uh, I have the energy. I think I can probably go till the end of the day. So you so, haven't eaten since noon yet. So you're doing 20, 25 hours right now? 25, yeah, going on 25 yeah. hours now, yeah. yeah. So I still have the energy, uh, I, no, no crashes. I don't feel tired at all. But yeah, so um, I guess my body kind of got used to fasting. And I actually just had my um, annual physical done. Yeah. And my doctor checked. Uh, my health condition is actually improving. The only thing bad that I had was like my, uh, my LDL was a little high. Uh -huh. But compared to last year, it's still lower. So okay. I'm, I'm doing good. Uh, yeah, so I mean... Yeah, I don't feel hungry. I don't feel tired. And, and like a lot of people don't understand is like, you know, they talk about like constant, like, I mean, eating like six meals a day and stuff. Every time you eat, uh, you're basically spiking insulin, right? Yeah. And that can stop burning, uh, uh, you know, fat in your body up to 72 hours. I mean, depending on how, you know, what, what you have eaten. So. Yeah. I, and I think if people who are not too familiar with fasting, and again, go back to those early episodes I did on the Awakened Man around episode 20. The longer you can prolong the fast, uh, the better you're getting the benefits. And like really quickly, we want to talk about like the other benefits aside from weight loss and cognition and exercise. You're looking at for men, uh, the human growth hormone. You're looking at testosterone. You're looking at uh, uh, you're getting better autophagy. So when you're fasting, your body can be doing a more efficient job of cleaning up cellular debris, uh, apoptosis, cell death. You know, cleaning. I just just think of like a, a gigantic vacuum. And so. Your body just works more efficiently when you're not always eating. So these yeah. are some of the other benefits of fasting. So the longer you can go, the better. And so you know there are there, there are many men and women who fast for uh, you know 36 hours, 
two day fast, three day fast. You can see the, the multi day fasts. Yep. And uh, of course, these are things that I would not recommend people to do unless uh, they, their body's adapted to a least 24 hour Absolutely. fast. But certainly, Definitely. I mean, you can, you can go to YouTube and listen to testimonies of, of men and women who do six, seven day fasts. So the longer you do it, the better. But for most of you people who have not done fasting or a compressor eating window, doing a 16-8 where you're fasting for 16 hours and that includes sleep. So really it's just not eating until maybe noon and then eating yep. from noon to eight. Now in the morning, you do want to hydrate. Definitely. You can drink black coffee. You can drink unsweetened tea. You can chew xylitol gum. You just you just yep. don't want to break the fast, right? So you don't want to take any yeah. But mm -hmm. But getting to noon is not hard at the beginning. No. You're going to have hunger pangs and some crashes, but within what, four or five days, if you're stretching out that fast from let's say yep. 8 a.m. and the next day you can stretch it to 8.45, the next day to 9.30, your body will be adapted in a week. Absolutely, yeah. I mean, it didn't take me long at all. Uh, I got adjusted like, yeah, I would say probably within a week or two at most. Uh, and then it just um, differentiating between what is like uh, cravings versus like when I'm actually hungry just a bit of a mindset mind uh, shift. So what is, what is your goal? Are, are you looking for a certain weight to hit? Or are you just never, are you always going to fast and just have different, like maybe more modified fast, like a 16, 8, 18, 6? I mean, what, what's your goal for the next two, three, four years? Yeah. So I, I, I definitely want to do fasting, so I'll keep it on. Uh, but what I want to do is, I mean, like I, now that I had developed or I understand uh, how to lose weight. So I know I can maintain a good weight. So I'm happy with my current weight goal. So, but now what I want to do is uh, maybe pack on a few pounds of muscle. Uh -huh. So that's what I'll, I'll, I'll focus on. Uh, I don't think I need to lose any, any more weight. I mean, I'm 140, so which is yeah. kind of light. Yeah. So I'll just maintain the weight and then just, uh, or you know, putting on a few pounds of muscle. That's, uh, that's my next goal. Cause I have mastered kind of like how the weight lost. And now I want to master how kind of like you know, put on just a pure muscle. That's great. That's great. Yeah. Um, at the very end here, let's talk about other tenants of MGTOW. So you've cleaned up your diet, you've cleaned up your health, your red pill aware. So it looks like you're, you're going to, at least in the foreseeable future, not marry, but maybe do short-term relationships and try to limit your, your risk. Yep. Um, let's, let's talk about your, your credit. Um, you you want to talk about how those aspects of your financial health? Yeah. So uh, I had to kind of give you a backstory. So when I moved here uh, back in the States in 05, I had, uh, and, uh, I had no credit. Uh, so I used to work at a cell phones uh, section of Best Buy where I was selling uh, you know, phone to people and I could not even get a phone myself because I didn't have any credit. So I had to put like, since I don't have any credit history background, I had to put like a $500 deposit or something. And mind you, I was going to school and working. So I had like no money. So that was out of the question. So I was using prepaid phone. So that kind of like, you know, uh, burned. Uh, I mean, I was like unhappy with that. I was like, I don't, how, why would you put this thing on me when I have done nothing wrong? Well, they're like, you don't have a, you don't have any history. So, so since that, I was like, okay, I, what can I do to fix this? So what I started doing was like, I mean, I, I would always, uh, you know, pay everything on time. So that way I can start building my credit. And then I learned other other uh, tricks to, instead of just manually monitoring my credit, what are other ways I can help build my credit, but I don't have to be on it every day or look at it constantly. So I started doing like, um, well, I have to give a disclaimer. I'm not a financial advisor. I'm just talking about the things that work for me. So what I would do is a lot of the things that I have to pay, like my monthly bills, um, credit card bills, whatever. So I started paying them uh, like a, with auto pay. So I don't even have to think about it. Whenever there's a bill, it will go through, but I will obviously check if I'm getting uh, charged extra or something happens. So I would still have those uh, checks of what I would, you know, kind of do a balance check at the end of the week. But all every, every bill that I have to pay, since I don't have to pay it, might as well automate that. So automating that actually kind of helped me uh, build my credit. Uh, and um, as I mentioned, like, you know, um, I had always lived in like, I have lived in living rooms or shared bedrooms. So I never had my own place. And obviously like everybody, we have a dream where we want to buy and own a place. So, and I have, I, uh, I was kind of like looking at the market crash back in 2008. At that time I had no money or anything. So that was out of the question. So now uh, we are about to hit uh, a position, uh, a similar situation where we may be hitting a recession because I think 
unemployment is the highest as of now. Um, so the house market might be a lucrative thing to look into. So I'm trying to, um, you know, my goal is to buy a house. I mean, for anything I do, I have a goal and I just break it down uh, different ways I can achieve it or baby steps if you want to call it. So um, just by maintaining uh, my credit score over the years, I'm paying bill on time, auto pay. So with that, I was able to actually really improve my credit from like having nothing 15 years back to, uh, I mean, I'm comfortable sharing my credit score is over 800. Sure. It's over 800? Yep. Yeah, I mean, what, what is it? That's like the five percentile in America. How, how many people have over 800 on their credit? Yeah. That's amazing. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and I kind of have to tie that to Midtow in a sense. It's like, like the thing I mentioned to you, like nine things I do every day. Like I don't want to repeat it, like sleep, uh, drink. So I was able to do all this stuff because there's nobody like, I mean, I am the master of my kingdom. I make my mm -hmm. own schedule. I do my own thing. I do whenever I want to, whenever mm -hmm. I'll, so that's, that's how I was able to dictate. So like a lot of my friends who were chasing these uh, women, like, you know, like, you know, foodie calls or whatever, they were spending all these money on women yeah. and they're broke. And once they're broke, guess what happens? The woman is not there with them anymore. Yeah, without, what's it, no money, no honey, without yeah. finance, there's no romance. <laughs> there's a lot. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So um, I think I gave, uh, I think, I can't remember who, so this, there was this uh, other um, YouTuber I was looking into, um, uh, Alpha Male Strategies, and he mentioned, like one of the things he mentioned was like, tell your like if you're living with a significant other tell her just do an, a social experiment uh, let's say if you're uh, you know a doctor engineer or you know pretty good in your field go back home and tell her one day that you lost your job and just see how she reacts yeah well i mean and, and i've talked about this like there's no such thing as unconditional love if you're married like if you're a man let's say and your wife wakes up one day and has gained 150 pounds mm -hmm. and and she's not going to lose it and or she's going to withhold sex the rest of your marriage, you're not going to love her anymore. And conversely, if you lose your job or you're like, honey, and let's say you don't have kids, honey, we're going to sell this house. or I'm just going to give this house a charity and we're going to go live on the streets or we're going to go live in the, the crack ghetto. That woman ain't going to stay with you. This is again, nope. human nature. You don't get mad. Don't get mad at proposed law. Don't yep. get mad at hypergamy. This is the way they are. And so take the red pill pull that rod out of your, uh, the back of your head and just be single because with single, like you said, you can do what you want when you want. And most importantly, going back to your finances, you spend and or save money the way you want to, you know, how many men do I know they work? She spends, but yeah. how many men do we know who have a wife? And again, I'm not going to uh, you know, insult all women, not all women do this, but how many men, make money, but their wife is hemorrhaging that money by buying crap that they don't need. And then lots of times she's got the audacity to say, well, we don't have the house that, that I thought we would have, you know, 15 years into this marriage. So, oh. so when you're married, a lot of that money is getting hemorrhaged by her or the kids or her furnishing the house or, you know, whatever it is. But when you are single, you decide you're the master of your domain and it's awesome. Yeah, absolutely. And then I'll just tell you one other uh, quick story. So I have a friend here in Denver. Uh, he, I mean, Denver properties and everything is quite expensive. So he bought a house, which was over half a million and he was showing me his house and everything. So I was like, sure. Uh, Cause I'm, I'm interested in buying a house. So I, I'm kind of seeing, you know, what people are getting into. So, and he showed me the whole house. And then at the end, he took me back to his uh, basement. He said, I'll, I'll save the best for last. So he took, takes me to the basement. It's a corner in a dark area where he has like a computer because uh, I think he plays a lot of video <laughs> games. So he has this computer with uh, his gaming heads and all that stuff. He said, dude, this is the best part. This is the man cave. So I started thinking of myself, this guy bought this house, spent over half a million. And I know his wife is, I think she's like, a, she's finishing her medicals. She doesn't work. So she's working on her degree or whatever. Yeah. So I'm like, like, I don't, so I was thinking as a red pill person, like I would be embarrassed. Like you are simping so hard. Like you, you bought this whole house and everything inside the whole house is under her. And you're happy that you have this little dark corner yeah. where your 
calling this a man cave. I right. mean, come on, when are right. guys going to wake up? But see, that, that's the thing. He's so blue pill and he's made the wife the center of his life that he just can't see it. Just like going back to the reference of the matrix. And it, it, it's insane. Like the, the man's paying for the large majority of the mortgage of the house. He's probably paying for his wife's school debt or will Absolutely. Pay of the school debt. And he's so happy that he has a little corner when the whole freaking house should be his man cave. Just like Absolutely. You, these are shit tests, right? Just like when you see men who give the nicer car to the woman and he drives like the, the, the Toyota Corolla and she's driving the Mercedes when he's making 80% of the money. Absolutely. It's astonishing. Yeah. And, and, and I kid you not, I'm not making this. I, I think I saw in his, on his fridge or somewhere, it says happy wife, happy life. Yeah, exactly. I'm not making it up. <laughs> and then at any time, and this is the thing that they don't get any time. I'm not happy. I'm filing for divorce. He gets fleeced. Pretty much. Right. So it's just horrible. But look, all right. So Mo, we're going to finish up because we've been talking sure. a good hour and a half. Yeah. Uh, I think, guys, this is a great story uh, to, to hear from Mo uh, on multifacets of his life and, and the way he's changed his life. And he's on a, a trajectory to make a lot of money, to be able to save a lot of money, perhaps retire early. His credit's great. He's red pill aware, so he knows he's not going to get manipulated uh, by women. He's going to maintain frame. If he decides to date, he's going to limit his risk. And uh, I, I think I think you're on a great trajectory. And and uh, man, you didn't you know you're, you're not in the, the situation I'm in where I pay 50% to child support. You learn from your elders. You've learned, uh, and and uh, you just got a great path in front of you, Mo. Thank you. Appreciate it. And uh, thanks for coming on. All right. Thanks again. Thanks for having me, Greg. All right. Take care. Take care, guys. Bye. All right. So that was Mo Chowdhury. I want to thank Mo for coming on the Awakened Man podcast. And I hope you guys learned uh, from his life journey. Um, for you women, please don't be offended by what I mentioned. These are just stats. And again, uh, red pill awareness or men going their own way, the manosphere. We're not misogynistic. It's not misogyny. We're just anti-court system because the court system, and if you were to be able to put on some glasses to see from your point of view. If if you were to marry, that you could lose your kids, lose your finances, and everything, you'd be, uh, you'd you'd understand a little more. But since the system benefits you, it might be hard for you to understand that. But either way, it's great to see Mo's life uh, go from from what it was to to optimization. He's optimizing, and that's what uh, men going their own way is all about. So I I think it's a great story, and God bless. I hope it continues, guys. If you like the content here, please consider subscribing to The Awakened Man and post an honest review. If you want to help us out financially, which I would appreciate to defray the cost of podcast hosting and the website, you can do so by donating money through the PayPal link on the episode notes, or you can go to naturopathicearth.com, which is N-A-T-U-R-O-P-A-T-H-I-C, earth, one word, naturopathicearth.com, and you can donate through the PayPal link there. You can also buy my two books, Confessions of an Obese Child and Revelations of a Weight Loss Warrior. You can find both of these books on Amazon through Kindle or paperback. And if you need any one-on-one coaching or help with weight loss or purging toxins from your food or anything from the red pill perspective, contact me through the Clarity FM link that you'll find in the episode notes or at the my homepage of naturopathicearth.com. Guys, until next time, take care. God bless. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to the Awakened Man Podcast. Find us on Facebook at the Awakened Man Podcast page. Subscribe and post an honest review on Apple Podcasts and consider donating to our crowdfunding account. And remember, freedom is better than needle. Until next time.